All right, gentlemen, we are underway. Saturday morning, Go Live Vegas, another edition of TCA with a little bit of a change of personnel here. Out goes the Hall of Famer Aaron Phillips. In comes the He's under- out of here. Yes, sir. In comes the understudy, Brett Lawson. And as usual, the uh, I'm definitely feeling comfortable here because we have the gang of usual suspects. Oh, the yeah. Chief, Matt Mullen. What's Gentlemen, up? absolutely honored to be here with you. Chief, thank you so much for filling in for Aaron on the previous show here on Go Live Vegas, the show we host, the sports talk show, Unsportsmanlike Conduct. Chief, excellent job. They're talking everything on the gridiron as it was a football-heavy show. And then today, here on TCA, uh, just a heavy show all around in terms of the headlines, in terms of events coming up. We're going to have Eddie Edwards on coming up in a little bit at the top yeah. of hour number two. So a big show I got to luck out on uh, the Chief, go ahead. Now you're, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, first of all. And uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome back. And my good friend to the right of me here, Mr. Matt Mullen. You got a story for us today, sir? Oh, yeah, I do, actually. All right. That's some crazy lady, like, staggering around the group, uh, building, and she went down to the parking garage. You can tell she was clearly drunk, and she's like, and she started screaming she was driving home, and we're like, I think not. So we ended up having to block off the gates to the parking garage so she couldn't, like, get out of there. And we called the city marshals, and they ended up almost having to chase her through the garage. That sounds like Because she kept, like, going the wrong way. So once they pinned her in, she ended up going to jail for DUI. That sounds like a three-day uh, thing at uh, Psych Ward to test her out. Hmm. Wow. They, I love how they, the uh, the stories are venturing more and more into the bazaar every week. I love it because I'm lucky enough to be here. Again, when you guys come on after our show wraps up, I usually hang around on the couch. Sometimes you may see my head in the camera shot even. So I'm always a lingering, <laughs> a lingering presence. But being able to be here hosting with you guys, I was very much looking forward to opening the show. That's why I threw it right away to Chief because I knew that's where he wanted to go with it. So had to tee up Matt there for his story. And again, we're happy to have you here on TCA. Join the conversation, 702-329-6947-855-502-4321 outside the states. As always, we love to hear your thoughts and your opinions on everything regarding the world of professional wrestling. And gentlemen, plenty to talk about today. We hope to get through the phones. We'll get to the chat room. But kicking things off, and obviously I know Aaron has a cadence and everything like that, and we like to do, a cert, uh, you do it a certain way, but I hear voices, right? So... That's how we're going to, right off the bat, we start off with the segment as we usually do. Who, and, who? and exactly. And like that. I love how I hear voices. So much focus is on the rumor mill, which in professional wrestling, I mean, nothing's bigger than the dirt sheets, than the rumor wire. So immediately jumping in to the rumors here as we kick things off. The youth movement in NXT management, which is a hot topic issue and now has been for a growing <clears throat> number of years. Apparently, they've been looking for release of some long-term members of the brand. So obviously, Matt, when you uh, orchestrate this rundown every night, you kind of like to go with the rumor of the week, if you will. Yeah. So I'll ask you, what are your main thoughts of this? Because again, this is something that's been such an issue. NXT's been able to separate itself in terms of their management, their booking, their creative, with going a little bit younger in terms of the demographic, in terms of the appeal of who they're actually trying to draw in. But if there's this kind of chaos 
in the uh, the front office, if you will, or on that management level with this product, that's kind of telling, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I don't want to see stars like Johnny Gargano or Tommaso Ciampa. Right. And those kind of guys go, but they said Johnny Gargano has like a dark match and was it SmackDown yeah. last week? And yeah. that's like the death. That's where wrestlers go to die, die. in and WWE. You said, I remember you said that note on your rundown, sitting on the couch, just chuckling to myself because I'm like, God, that's so true. That's essentially the, the death certificate. You're signing off. Yeah, as everyone that yeah, had the, like that the last Reaper. run, they were all gone. Always. And that's like almost like a lot of times in wrestling when the stars align, you could kind of, in the positive, see it. But in the negative, you could kind of see it too in the industry. And when they kind of, when those signs start to surface, it usually isn't a... It, Good things don't follow. Chief, what are your thoughts on it? Where's Triple H? There you go. Need him? Where's the because it all goes upstairs. It's his baby. You have to think that at some point you have to wonder what is what does he have to do with all this in terms of obviously we know what he has to do on the day to day operation, but how does he salvage something like this? You know, but the 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 interesting point is when two years ago you saw Triple H and Sean mm-hmm. running it on a daily basis. And it was such a good product. Not, be, not because Kevin was on there, and, and, and I wanted to watch Kevin, but it was a good product from start to finish. They've had some good quality wrestlers come in through the training facility and make it up to the big stage but you look at what they're doing right now on nxt and it's not i guess sean's running the day-to-day operation yeah you said that on the show last week Um, which is a big big point triple h isn't there so how much how well does sean and vince and tom pritchard think alike and is that where the quality of the product has gone down a little bit now last night on smackdown i saw a couple of uh nxt wrestlers um up on smackdown last night that came up i guess this past week so you know as you say is the youth movement taking over a little bit and are they moving them up to try to get them quality matches and, on, the, on the big stage? And it's hard to be consistent when the guy who's, it's not obviously his namesake, but in a way it is because it's his vision. You know what I'm saying? So in, when the guy who's kind of steering the ship and spearheading the creative direction kind of just vanishes and it's so synonymous with Triple H and just how he approaches the business from a mental, psychological standpoint, when he's not there, and someone like Shawn Michaels, who, let's just be honest, likes to kind of wrestle control in his own right. Now, again, this is his buddy, Triple H. It's going to be a little yeah. bit different. But either way, Shawn, it's going to, he's going to take it upon himself to try to make the big move or at least try to keep everything stable and impress on the surface to where he's going to try to make good by Triple H. In a way, can that be a detriment? Because Sean doesn't have the same type of skills from a management standpoint or just from a creative standpoint that Triple H has. Can Sean be trying too hard to make his buddy proud? But that's splitting hairs because we could have those conversations all day long because ultimately it's going to go off of results. If you know, the results on NXT were a little bit more consistent, there'd be a different conversation. And that's what leads me to this next question. Do you think that NXT did lose a bit of steam when they try to make it the third brand, when they really 
gave it its own like its own platform to stand on as its own show. Now on the in the immediate level, that helped a lot. Because again, it kind of gave it more of a consistent TV presence every week. It aligned with the same time AEW and everything with Impact was kind of jumping on to the next level for their television deals. So I get why they did it. But has it ever really had the same type of buzz as a whole as it did when it was truly a developmental, you know, league, if you will? I don't think it really hurt them. I think Dynamite, like being their direct competition, hurt it. That's a good way to look because at it. Because right. Vince was like, oh, if you can't beat Dynamite. Yeah. You guys aren't really a third brand, so a, I think that's what brought the whole 2.0 thing on. And that's the problem. So I get what you're saying. So basically what Matt, what you're alluding to is that it stands on its own as a third brand. It just doesn't stand on its, on its own competing against Dynamite. It's moments like this where you almost wish a Raw or a SmackDown, and in Friday night's case, obviously, but yeah. you almost wish a, a Raw or a SmackDown was lined up against Dynamite because at least there it has a little bit more of a history, a little bit more of an identity, and it doesn't need to prove itself, or NXT kind of did need to prove itself at True. least as a brand. So I actually agree with that, too. I don't think it's more so the concept of having it as a third show. I think it, you just kind of – it lucked out in AEW's favor, not so much in WWE's favor. Yeah. AEW lucked out by having that third show, that new show, trying to make its bones align with now the biggest show in pro wrestling every week. Yeah. Right. You know, I think the interesting thing is, too, when I look at NXT 2.0 now, mm -hmm. the way that they have it set up in there – with this, the the seats and everything, it reminds me of the NWA show. Mm. The way that it's circled. The way they present it. Circled. Right. And then you have the ring. Okay, so I think I think uh, they went that route as far as the um, paint or or you know their their new uh, style. You know, when they open up and everything, I like it. I think it's different um, from, you know, from that aspect. But then when you get to it um, and you see the wrestlers, I'm glad the Gargano's there. I'm glad that um, uh, some of the other wrestlers are there. You know, where's Timothy Thatcher been? Right. Supposedly he's injured. Okay. Uh, you know, haven't seen him. Finally saw uh, um, the uh, fella from England who hasn't been, who wasn't on the show for uh, two or three weeks. He finally showed up back up on the show again this week. Likes to break fingers and and. And oh, elbows. Pete Dunne. Yeah. yeah, Pete Dunne. Who, yeah, and you even meant, you got to remember, you guys mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Where has he been? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm glad to see that to me, those type of wrestlers need to be there to help the youngsters develop and keep them safe in the ring, okay? That, that to me, that's the important factor. But then you look, I think the women's division is, is uh, strong. Their, their women's division, uh, you know, oh, not, yeah. not because of, the new, you know, your favorite group coming into uh and i'll leave it at that coming in uh, the hubcaps coming into nxt now uh I call mandy rose a hubcap i did i did i love what she's got headlights <laughs> she's got a good bumper too uh, <laughs> i won't i won't, won't are, are we a clever but aaron can we get a little bump tisk yeah yeah <laughs> 
You, um, you like that one, did you? <laughs> uh, let, let me ask you guys this. In terms of the – because here we are in the aftermath of last week, widespread cuts. It was the main talking point of your guys' show for pretty much the whole two hours. 18, as it sh- 18 people. Cut. Right. As it should have been last week. How do you think it is on a television standpoint? Because, again, sometimes in terms of the TV presence, these cuts don't have a lot, of a, a lot of an impact. They don't change much. You don't even notice they're gone. Sometimes you do. And last week, the, the names in those cuts – it was one of those cases where some of these names could have not backbreaking effects on the company, but there's going to be a little bit of a continuity lapse there. Like, what are your thoughts on just how trying to maintain everything on a television episodic standpoint when, you know, you just purge your talent like that? Yeah, definitely. It seems like a lot of them people were missing off TV to begin with. Right. So it didn't really hurt, like, storylines too much. Because there was no consistency there anyway. But when, like, you're invested in these people, like... Carrion Cross, like everyone in Vegas, yeah, loves the guy. Yeah, I so mean, as soon Chief, as he Chief got still, cut, th- that's still verberating with Chief right now. Yeah, as soon as he got cut, everyone's like waiting for him to appear on Raw, and all of a sudden, you're just like, he's freaking gone. Mm-hmm. But now, like the local promotions bringing him back, hopefully in February. So yeah, selfishly so. for us, we'll see him sooner than later. Yeah, it's it's exactly it's one of those things where we may luck out, but at the you know, it was at the expense of him now no longer being involved with the promotion that was going to get him to where so many people on the local scene thought he should have been all along. Everyone thought he was going to be like the main event of WrestleMania in a couple years. Yeah, he Just rode the, the fast. Thing they had of like NXT. He and, rode the fast track too. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times in NXT, you're kind of boosted to the the moon and back. He well, he was that times ten. He at least it, it looked like that. He was positioned initially, but then with some inconsistencies in terms of how often he was seen. It may have not been a surprise that he was cut, given what we've seen from him recently, but it was surprising that he was cut, given what a lot of people thought was in store for him, is what Chief kind of alluded it just to. It directly well. seemed like he was buried by somebody. Yeah, right. Yeah. How do you go like from like that to NXT yeah. to you lose your opening match on Monday Night Raw and, to Jeff Hardy while you're undefeated? And that's what's and that's what's so nuts. And you have to wonder like where. There's obviously the accountability issue. You guys talk about it all the time in the show. I mean, you have T-shirts talking about how the creative team sucks, how the riding team sucks. But at the same time, it all ultimately goes back through the talent, right? And you have to say, okay, well, then who has the most talent? Well, it's starting to look like it's AEW because, for one, they're bringing people in. WWE is letting people go. And moving on to that, rumors, more more in the mill, because we have a stacked rumor mill here for our opening segment. Rumors going around that Okada could be debuting for All Elite Wrestling soon. Who would you like to see him face? And I know that's such an open-ended question because I could easily Everybody. say, bingo. Especially given who's on that roster right now. Ah. What do you think, Chief? I'm going to give you two. The first one, three simple words. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And I'm not going to talk no more about that. But I'm going to say this to you. I've watched all the wrestling shows, even Impact. I'm watching Impact on TV. Mm -hmm. I've got my way of getting in there now, so I'm watching it. Um, The hardest working working wrestler who I see on TV today is a former WWE wrestler, and that's Brian Danielson. He is the, in my mind, he is watching him. He is the hardest working wrestler 
inside the ring today. And I think he's proving something to WWE right now that you bounced, you jumped ship too early. They made yeah. a, they made a mistake, and if they made a mistake on him, they've probably <coughs> made a mistake on a lot of other wrestlers they've let go. Especially considering, I mean, you personally, Chief, you said Danielson may be in your top in your Mount Rushmore, and you know, in your 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 top four of all time if you will, and a lot of people would agree with that. And what has he shown ever since going over to All Elite Wrestling? Not only does he, has he shown that he still has it, he's shown he could reinvent himself. And that's why a match between him and Okada, obviously everyone's going to mention Omega, people are going to mention everyone in between, but Danielson, and obviously Punk, but Danielson and Okada, just given the styles, is one that I would like to see off the bat because the, just the... The sequences you could have in a bout like that could just be mind-blowing. I'm just going to say this real quick because it's down on the run sheet a little ways. He's got a great match today mm. against another WWE wrestler that was uh, let go, Mr. Miro. Yeah. Okay. So there's, a, there's another great match today that Mr. Danielson's going to have. So, you know, it all starts at the top and... You know, is it time? Is it time for Mr. McMahon to um, uh, part ways with the company? You know, but my real question is, where the hell is Triple H? Yeah, and, the question's gonna and, keep and going to keep going back to that. I'm really worried, uh, and I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm worried about him. I really am. On a personal level, you're yes, saying? Yes, because we haven't heard anything at all, other than he had heart procedure and it is rare because triple h so much of what he's been able to do and so much of the reason why he's been so good in that role as he transitioned from it basically a deck 10 years ago is because he is so good at constantly staying present i mean uh -huh. like the building could literally be burning down and he's the guy who you want to send out in front of the media in front of the press he's a pr just dream he's sure. everything you could want and with him not moving that ship and really kind of moving the needle at the same time it's going to make things a little harder one last thing in the rumor mill as we wrap up I Hear Voices go to our first break. Rumor is that the Mysterios are heading for a breakup and feud on TV. I'm excited about this because I haven't liked anything regarding the Mysterios. I just think it's corny. I don't like father-son angles in professional wrestling. I, I used to maybe at one point. It's stale. I love Ray's one of my all-time favorites. I love the fact that Do uh, Dominic, who was there for like so long, yeah. Um, in terms of just having like a role on television as Ray's kid. I kind of like how we've seen that pay off in terms of him now entering the business in his own right and becoming a worker and becoming a part of it. But I don't like them being so closely affiliated. It makes Ray's, the part, this part about Ray's act seem too nostalgic and it makes Dominic seem like too family dependent. I, I would like to see them break up because at least now it plants the seeds for Dominic to kind of go off and make his own career. Yeah. Ray can kind of transition wherever he wants now. He's a legend of the game. He could do whatever he wants. But he doesn't need to be at the hip with his son anymore. I think a feud would be great, especially given the fact that you know it's going to have to be Dominic as the heel because it's not like Ray Mysterio oh, can yeah, ever work sure. heel. So you have the son beating the hell out of his father for a heel turn. That could be a little fun, I think. So, so when that happens, does the sister come back Ooh, on TV? Right. The whole family can end up coming yeah. back for that. Yep, Angie and everyone else. It would definitely yeah. be a good feud I'd love to see because if Dominic and Ray are like that close together, Dominic will never get out of his shadow. So right. he needs to do something. Exactly. To 
and and at least that way, it could be the first time in a long time that Ray has done something interesting. I mean, the last the last time that Ray Mysterio has kind of really been involved in a storyline that simply involves the the greatness and the res- the respect of Ray Mysterio being on the line, where you know, kind yeah. of his own legacy is on the line. It's been a while, so you could kind of pull the strings with that tapping into what you could do with Dominic, but we'll have to see. Again, join the conversation, 702-329-6947 outside the States. Get us at 855-502-4321. Two hours of conversation surrounding everything in the world of professional wrestling right here on Go Live Vegas. So that does it for I Hear Voices. Gentlemen, we're off and running. I'm happy to be here with you. It's Brett and for Aaron, the Chief, Matt, TCA. We'll be back here in just a few moments talking plenty more in the world of the Squared Circle. It's not the worst podcast ever, is it? It's the best podcast. Thoughts count anywhere. All your wrestling news, all your hobbit hey, all your gimmickry. Go on over, listen wherever your podcasts are downloaded. The Thoughts Count Anywhere podcast. I'm the big LG Doc Ellis. That's my endorsement. Booyah! At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide much-needed life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently. Because our subs make a difference. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. If inspiration is the beginning, where does it lead? Experience the 2021 Mazda 3 sedan and see where inspiration can take you. Grab the brass ring in a 2021 Mazda 3 with exclusive FSW discounts at Finley Mazda. Get Garth today at the Valley Auto Mall. I feel like using that right now. Yeah, there. <laughs> That's what we keep it rolling. You see there, Chiefs 1910's play toy. Thoughts count anywhere. Brett Lawson in for Aaron, the Chief, Matt Mullen. Some lively conversation there during the break. But Freaking also just some breaking news. Just, breaking some, news. Some mis- uh, just a bit of a miscommunication there as we were trying to uh, you know, facilitate who was going to read the comments in the chat room. But again, speaking of that chat room, we want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your takes. And you can always, again, jump on the line, 702-329-6947-855-502-4321 if you are outside the States. Again, jump in. On the discussion as we are live here on Go Live Vegas. Morning, Rob Thomas Nicholas, uh, Mr. Aaron's uh, Aaron, you need to do your job. <laughs> Just shades watching, Shant's watching, and there you go. Sin City Syndicate. Good morning, gentlemen. Absolutely, um, and you know that's why I love hopping on the show with you guys because on Unsportsmanlike Conduct we like to go through the headlines, we like to talk everything in the world of sports. But the way this show really has a fan base that latches onto it, <laughs> it really adds to the element. You guys have you have Brandon and Garth Wall calling in on some weeks when I'm here. Every time I'm here, even if it's just sitting on the couch, it seems there's some kind of interaction, whether it be in the chat room. The Brunette brothers are great. Everybody who jumps in on the line, we hope to hear the uh, or see the flickering lights here momentarily or at some point in the next two hours. Cause yeah, we, for sure. Yeah, because we love to jump on the phones. And, of course, Eddie Edwards joining us as well, so we can't wait to talk to him. So going now, fellas, into the WWE report. Ding, ding, ding. There you go, exactly. The de facto <laughs> bell, because Chief is always on it, even when the bell is not in front of him. But, so, we covered the rumors, and the fun thing about the WWE report is that this is kind of like, it's, it's one of those things where the rumors are a little bit more materialized, even though they may not have come to full fruition, but here we have a little bit more weight on them. So The Rock was asked in an interview if he was going to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and he was said there was no truth to that. 
Now, again, this is one of those things kind of like I just mentioned. It's been rumored for years, nothing set in stone, but it's a little bit more at this point than speculation. And that's why something like this, you, even though if it's downplayed and doubted by The Rock now, we're still going to latch on to this because it's been perfectly clear that this is what the company's been wanting to do with both of these guys for a long, long time. Even before Roman Reigns really was the top guy, it was pretty obvious that at some point all roads were leading to Roman versus The Rock for similar reasons like we just talked about before the break. They love to have their family-oriented storylines. They love to do the relative versus relative, whether it be brother, brother, father, son, whatever. Here you have, and then here you have it again in one of the most royal bloodlines in the history of the industry. This is going to happen at some point, and even if they don't have a main event match at WrestleMania, even if they don't have their passing the torch moment, they are going to have an interaction that greatly impacts both of them, especially Roman Reigns. I think, the w- I think it's inevitable. I think the WWE for years has always brought back a Hall of Famer. Well, they love the nostalgia. To help out with a heavy match. And it just so happens that probably this is going to be the next heavy match, The Rock and Roman Reigns. Are you, would you be excited about that? Do you think the match itself, while being heavy, while being heavily promoted, do you think it could be a good match quality speaking? With, with the two elite wrestlers you have. It, it, it couldn't I, be bad. It, it has to be. I'm with you. You know, uh, it's not going to be a bad match. Let's put it this way. They know how to put, they know how to put each other over. Um, I think the other interesting thing was there, when I was watching SmackDown last night, um, they showed a clip of ticket sales going on down in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And... Well, who was on TV down there with him? The Undertaker. And I thought that was very interesting that they, you know, asked him to come up from his home um, in Texas to help out with uh, uh, the couple promotions that they had. You Mm -hmm. know, they had one with uh, um, children who uh, had medical needs. And uh, so it was good to see him there. And, you know, so to me, it's just funny that they um, uh, they keep bringing The Undertaker out or Kane out, yeah. you know, uh, John Cena to help out with ongoing pro- yeah. projects that they have. The, you dance with the ones who brought you there. And it's, sometimes it works to their benefit. Sometimes it works to their detriment because you could have a case where it's like a John Cena and Roman Reigns to where it does great things, much like what they did with The Rock and John Cena. You use that to kind of transition to them being the top guy, but you could also have a Goldberg-Lashley situation where Lashley's greatness and his brilliance as of late is overshadowed by a guy who has no business being in the title picture. It's that slippery slope, you know, Matt, that kind of works both ways, depending on which side of the coin you land on. They always got to bring these nostalgia acts back because 10 years ago they said they're never going to have anybody bigger than the company so they have to rely on the people that are bigger than the company and nostalgia is immediately synonymous like anything in sports entertainment pop culture it's synonymous with comfort and nostalgia is comfort yeah and with the whole rock thing everyone's like oh he said they're not going to do it and blah blah blah. like do you really think he's going to come out in an interview and just be like yeah "Yeah, we're the main event of wrestlemania right like who's actually going to say that they got to build it up somehow no shot there's no way they would let that that go you know, off Vince the handle would, like, now. Yeah. Freaking have a heart attack. No if he doubt. was to be like, yep, that's the main event. 
No doubt. See you in April. And that's why, again, going in the rumor mill of professional wrestling, it's a segment you guys, as we did earlier, just earlier, you start every show with that essentially because the rumor mill is so powerful. But it's powerful because, again, it's always there's always an element of doubt because of incidents like this where a guy yeah. denies it. He says it's not going to happen. He says my lips are sealed. I'm throwing away the key <clears throat> type of thing. And then we kind of forget about it. It's actually brilliantly done. So I think you just said it all right there, Matt. The fact that he's so quick to dismiss it is almost, in a way, more suggestive that it's going to happen because there's just no way he would nonchalantly say in a press interview, oh, just wait, me and Roman are going to throw down at Mania coming up soon. True. It's, just, it's just not re realistic, so I'm with you. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the match? Oh, you said it wouldn't be a bad match at Chief. What are your thoughts on the potential buildup of it, though? They have to have a buildup. But I'm it. saying, like, do, do you think it could work in 2021 or 2022, I should say? If The Rock's schedule allows it, Absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind that it would work. But I, I'm going to go a different route, and I'm, I'm going to throw two things out there. Number one, men have world championships. Women have world championships. Uh -huh. Men have tag team belts. Women don't have tag team belts. Yeah, okay? Except in NXT. The two other hubcaps are women's tag team champions. Okay. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> what I would like to see happen, and see, I'm, I'm stirring the pot here. There you go. I'm, I'm That's get, what we do I'm here. getting ready for my rant. Mm -hmm. That's coming up next, by the way, so stay put. What bothers me is that they always bring the Rock back, Stone Cold back, Undertaker back, Cena back. Goldberg. Goldberg. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the other what's guy? What's the with male the, version of a hubcap? What's the, uh, what's <laughs> the other guy with the bun? Um, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> the okay. the bun. I love how we're at a point in time where who's the uh, guy with the bun? Oh, that's right, Brock Lesnar. Uh, um, the greatest combat athlete the company's ever but, had. But anyway, <laughs> why don't they bring Trish Stratus and Lita back? Especially at a time where everything has changed so much with women's wrestling to have someone who, like the OGs of women's wrestling who meant so much to it at a time and were kind of leading Trish for the longest time were the only saving grace of the, the, the women's Raw roster. And to bring them back and kind of have them mingle with the current talent, even if it's not in a full-time capacity, I think that could be interesting. Just my, just my thought. They have a couple times, and Sasha Banks has been leveraging yeah. for a Trish Stratus match for and ever since, a hot minute now. And, and ever since 2018, when they had, when they had the, you know, the all-women's pay-per-view, you had the Return of the Legends, you had the Women's Royal Rumble match, the first one. We've kind of been getting closer, but it's just one of those things where – you're not all the way there yet. I'd like to see something. I'd like to see something more along those lines too. If all right. it wasn't for Alexa getting hurt, I still want to see that Alexa versus Trish match that oh, no, ended no. up getting canceled. And they, and the build up to that was going to be great, given the fact the way Alexa was on the mic and the fact that Trish can make it work with anyone. Because when, oh, yeah. when you're a legend coming back, the crowd's going to respect you. They're going to cheer for you, and it's easy to get heat as a heel in the opposition to that. I'm Chief, go I'm going to say this, and we'll close it. There was not a harder worker than Lita in the years she wrestled. Mm -hmm. I'd put her up against Stone Cold. I'd put her up against The Rock. I'd put her up against Undertaker, any of them. She was yeah. 
a hard worker and and an innovator and to see did stuff women had never done she could do a flip off the top rope couldn't she She had the best moonsault in the business and, no? and she wore thongs too so that 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 was what a I, way to, I like that and that's how we tee up chiefs Ranch, hell yeah which is coming up next but first a quick word from our sponsors <laughs> the brew brothers The Brew Brothers is brought to you from yeah, Top Rope Collectibles. Yeah. Check out Top Rope Collectibles on Facebook and search <laughs> The Brew Brothers. Yeah. And their show airs every Sunday. I At think. I thought, we, I, I thought we had an ad. I didn't know there was. I, I didn't know if it was no, a live read or it what. It was a live read. Okay, there it's you go. Live read it was a live read. It was a lot. Aaron didn't bring it. Was it, a li- so. yeah, it was a lot. Sorry, Thomas. It was a live read in which the script I was never sent. But all good, Thomas. Much appreciated. Uh, the Brood Brothers do great stuff. I was very happy to be, be able to meet them finally in person at Unicon and actually be able to share the set with you guys when we had Sledge on. So obviously, oh, yeah. huge fans. They love joining the conversation. And I'm very happy because their sponsorship was a big reason why this great show was able to expand to two hours. And of course, it's a big backing uh, support system for the Chiefs Ramp, which it is now time for. Good morning, everybody. It is the Chief. My three minutes of fame is now 2.58. Anyway, today I'm going to talk about a few things. First one is tomorrow versus pro wrestling at the Versus Studio at the Boulevard Mall. Secondly, next week at Sunset Station, Mr. Scott Hosey and Power Play Sports Collectibles will be doing their monthly show and next Saturday from 10 to 12, Impact World Champion Moose will be signing autographs. So, Sunset Station, next Saturday, 10 to 12, Moose. Then, next week, Saturday night, Sunday night, Monday night, Impact Wrestling, Samstown. Main event, Saturday night. Moose, world champion, versus the gentleman that's going to be coming on talking to us in about 30 minutes, Mr. Eddie Edwards. Uh, Then we have coming up the 27th at Diversion Entertainment, FSW's show. Monthly show coming up, start time 7 p.m., it's going to be a packed show. I know one of the matches is going to be Brian Cage versus Hammerstone. And most of the matches that night are going to be in the in Cage matches. Another one will be... Um, um, Damian Drake. Damian Drake versus... Uh, Matt Vandergriff. Matt Vandergriff, the breakup of the tag team. That's going to be in the, uh, in the cage. So come on out. There's some good action. And next Friday night, at the MGM will be Booker T's wrestling show coming into town. I believe start time for that, 7 p.m. Tickets, I believe, are $20. So that's the Chiefs rant today. I have, uh, if I have any other breaking news, I'll just cut in and uh, pass it on to you. And there you have it. The Chief over and out. I love it. And this is the, I believe, it may be the, maybe the third, but at least the second time I've been 
I, and again, I have a presence on the couch most weeks, but I'm lucky enough to be here on the set while he delivers the rant. Although not the uh, same kind of steam that we've had the past. Well, it was, a, it was an emotional one last week, very heartfelt and very well delivered. And not, not a lot of uh, aggression this week, more so just some friendly promotion. The PR vehicle was being uh, steered by Chief this week for the rant, so I like it. And you know, as I said, there was a message I put out mm -hmm. during the week to all my fellow brothers and sisters and to all the people serving the watch now so I can sit in this chair and do what I'm doing right now. I hope everybody had a great Veterans Day. Absolutely. Likewise, and I think everyone here at this desk would agree with that. So right, really quick before we uh, wrap up and go to another break, I just want to touch on a, another few headlines here in the news cycle. So in a recent interview while speaking at SI.com, Becky Lynch was asked about the Char Charlotte Flair situation and said that they don't talk anymore and also said that sometimes the locker room needs a hero-type figure and she does not mind being that hero. Now, obviously, there's plenty of conversation regarding Becky's role in the company. There's going to be plenty of jokes regarding, you know, the, ma the marriage to Rollins and all that. How are they going to play that to their advantage? But aside from all that, what do you think about this? Because women's wrestling has evolved so much. It's exploded in popularity and legitimacy. But now, in a culture, in professional wrestling, especially WWE, where so much emphasis is put on locker room leaders, what do you think that says about Becky Lynch? Is not just an in-ring worker, but someone who really carries herself and represents the business. What do you think a statement like this suggests, that she wants to be more of a, a hero behind closed doors? I think she is kind of like a locker room leader. Already. She is like the... She's like the PR like person yeah. for like the women's division in WWE, mm -hmm. even though they do shove Charlotte straight down our throats, whether we like it or not. It's funny you say that, Matt, because uh, Mr. Rankin said, stop pushing Charlotte down our throats. <laughs> there you go. So, How fitting in time. True. And it's like they're trying to make her 16-time champion in a matter of like... Yeah. As fast as they possibly can. And we knew they were going to do that anyway, but you could pump the brakes a little bit. Like, yeah, you know, I was like, she's got to have somewhat of right. a long career. Mar too. Marathon, not a sprint. And that's what will make the rivalry that is so easy to do and go back to every couple of years with her and Becky. You want, I think it would be better if you blast Charlotte to another galaxy in terms of the amount of title range she has, no matter how popular Becky is, no matter how over she is, it's harder to sell as a legitimate, evenly matched bout. You can't sell it as the Randy Orton, John Cena, when the gap between them in terms of title range is so big. And again, Becky has some, you know, has some clout too. Yeah. But the way they're packaging Charlotte, I agree, it's kind of, it gets a little uh, tedious. But Becky, again, if she has the respect of everyone behind closed doors, she ultimately is going to be kind of the one that, really everything goes through maybe not to the status of you know an undertaker type enforcer of course but she's going to be someone who everyone reverts to backstage i still wonder if they like are just playing all this stuff off for like the cameras and yeah even for like interviews because i've talked to charlotte quite a few times like off cameras and all that kind of stuff and it seems a little fabricated I think it's a little fabricated so it's, it's a worked shoot basically i could see that but that makes sense I don't know. They're playing it pretty well, like to it, the it point you're like, is it? Is it not? It kind of reminds. Remember a few years ago when you know CM Punk, the whole thing with the the, the Fox deal in WWE, and the, they signed FS1 as an analyst. What was it? WWE backstage. Yeah. And then once Punk became a you know a broadcaster for them, essentially in that very brief time before AEW. 
there was a lot of interaction with him and Rollins on Twitter, and it almost seemed like forced to the point where it was all like, there's, there's some heat here, but I don't think the heat is as extreme as we want to make it be. It just seems timely because Punk is back in the swing of things as an analyst, and Rollins is the head guy. It, it kind of has vibes of that to me. So I get what you're saying, Matt. Chief, before we go to break, what are your thoughts on this, the dynamic between Becky and Charlotte? Do you think there's legitimate heat there? If it's anything that's going to be like uh, CM Punk and uh, uh, his uh, opponent today, mm. uh, it's going to be a fist fight. And that's what I think. So you think it could get nasty? I, th I think it's eventually going to end up that way with Becky and Charlotte. I mean, there's a lot of ego there, and only one could really be the head honcho. And that's what, there's only so many dynamics where you could really walk away with two people in the conversation. Like the Rock Austin is one of those dynamics, where when you think of one, you automatically think of the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where when you think of Cena and Orton, you're always going to kind of put Cena a little bit higher on the, on the hierarchy. Much of that is because of the, the shortcomings of Orton and the behavioral issues he had in the past that kind of messed everything up for him in those early years when it was looking like he was kind of being package is the next big thing did so you, did you see punk in kingston this past oh, week brilliant it got personal. Oh, it did personal it got personal it did and you know what and it needed to as mark henry said this morning it's going to be a real fight yeah. it ain't going to be a fucking wrestling there'll match. be there'll be some potatoes okay. and for those of you tuning i'm sure many of you do as diehard wrestling fans uh, mo as most people are of the show but potato is one of those shots that i mean we had we had guests on just a couple of weeks ago talking about them you 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 know when someone lands a stiff a stiff, uh, close-handed fist in a wrestling match. You could see one of those. There's going to be a lot of it happening on that. That was match. one of those segments of Dynamite. Everyone's like putting their phones down. Yeah. Whoa. That's what. That, it's, like, it's like it's like that fine line. You don't know if it's about to be a full-blown like brawl that you see break out in a bar because two guys get chesty and are talking shit, or if it's just going to be one of those things that they boot, build up for the cameras. That goes to show how professional Punk and Kingston are. But as Chief just said, it shows it's personal. If Becky and Charlotte get to that. It almost would be this, what, I'm not going to say it's what women's wrestling needs, but it almost, it's like that, when that happens, that's when you know women's wrestling has fully made it. Because True. now the storylines are carrying over, and now ego and personal pride is at stake. Can I, can I ask the question, how long has it been since uh, um, Ronda Rousey's had her baby? Uh, like About two, three months? I was going to say three, four months, maybe, maybe a little less than that, yeah. yeah. I think, personally... I think it's going to build up between Becky and Charlotte. And Ronda's going to come back. Into the mix. And it's going to be a three-way. And that's the last time we saw Ronda. So there will be a lot of good <laughs> continuity opportunities there to kind of immediately bring Ronda back into the mix. It would be easy to sell a return from Rousey, especially when you already on the surface have the Charlotte-Becky feud. Because that's what they did all along initially. At the whole Survivor Series brawl, they were building up Becky and Ronda. Charlotte was even the mix. They realized bringing an athlete of her caliber and someone who could add into the storyline, it made it an all-new dynamic and made for that great triple threat match. That sounds like direct Weird ending, creative. but great match. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. They're like, guess what? Rematch! Yeah, exactly. What, what should we do? <laughs> we have one of the biggest you know, crossover stars in recent memory coming back. We'll Rematch! Do the, we'll do the same exact thing she did when she left. <laughs> Twice in a lifetime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so still plenty more to come in the news cycle. We'll tackle it all. WWE, AEW, Impact, and, of course, Eddie Edwards coming up at the top of Hour 2. So stick around. It's Brett in for Aaron, Chief, Matt. Thoughts count anywhere. We'll be back in just a second. One. 
It's not the worst podcast ever, is it? It's no. the best podcast. Thoughts count anywhere. All your wrestling news, all your hobbit hey, all your gimmickry. Go on over, listen wherever your podcasts are downloaded. The Thoughts Count Anywhere podcast. I'm the big LG Doc Ellis. That's my endorsement. Booyah! If you order Firehouse subs online or with our app, we'll have those delicious, melty subs boxed, bagged, and ready to pick up with Rapid Rescue to go. Firehouse subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Sin City Sublimation is an all-in-one design and manufacturing shop making everything here in Las Vegas. Most companies have everything made overseas. We do not and can do all the work in two weeks or less. From the court to the field, we have all types of sports uniforms for your liking, but if you are looking for something else, we also make memorial shirts, birthday shirts, and fan gear for your kids' teams. Send us an email at sales at sincitysublimation.com, and if you mention Thoughts Count Anywhere, we will take $5 off each shirt with a minimum of 12 purchased. A pro wrestler-owned business, we are known for reasonable pricing with a fast turnaround all made in the USA. For more information, go to SinCitySublimation.com for more. This is John Cena. I just, I, just, I just wanted to send you a congratulations on your podcast, Thoughts Count Anywhere. Because indeed they do. Thoughts are important. I mean, what would they, we do without them? And how can they not count anywhere? I just, is there a place that thoughts don't count? I can't think of one. Well, I just wanted to say thank you very much, congratulations, and good luck on the podcast. Thoughts count anywhere, because they do. All right, keeping it rolling here on Thoughts Count Anywhere on a Saturday morning from the Go Live Vegas studios. Brett Lawson in for the Hall of Famer and the voice Aaron Phillips joined by the usual gang of the Chief and Matt Mullen again. Quick reminder, join us in the conversation. Jump on the phone at 702-329-6947. If you're outside the state, you go ahead and punch in 855-502-4321. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your takes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on everything going on in the new cycle. And, of course, jump on that chat room in the Facebook comments, as so many of you do on a regular basis. We love hearing your side of the story. And keeping things going here, as we wrap up Hour 1 and get ready for Eddie Edwards, I just want to ask you this, Chief, because you brought up a great point during the break. We're talking about how much the ego and the, uh, the, the need to be number one is going to be a driving factor between Charlotte and Becky, probably their entire careers, even if it gets personal in a way that we've seen CM Punk and Eddie Kingston get uh, over on AEW. And you brought, you brought up an interesting point out, bringing Ronda Rousey into the mix would really kind of flesh that out. Immediately once we went into the break, you mentioned another name. And that is? Natalia. And go ahead and share really quick before we move on why exactly you think she would kind of fit. Because this is someone who we know has paid their dues. Even at sometimes in a comical, shameful manner, she's really earned her stripes, so to speak. If you stop and look at it, in my opinion, she's the one today who is sort of like Lita. Mm. When Lita was back in the day, she helped women get over. Maddie's had matches just about with everybody in the women's roster and for the most part has put them over. You know, she held the tag belts, and uh, but she's never, uh, that I can remember, ever held the women's championship. She was uh, SmackDown women's champion. Was she SmackDown? Yeah. Okay, I stand corrected. I stand corrected, but she's never in 
the mix for the main event matches yeah. anymore as a single competitor. Why is why aren't they putting her in with Charlotte? Why aren't they putting her in with Becky? And she's one of the few who really has the psychology to kind of work a match with them. I mean, she's done a lot of grappling training with Ronda Rousey. She's great friends behind the scenes with Ronda Rousey. That's something else because you talked about bringing her into the mix. You could have those four athletes into the title picture on the main event scene. Think about all the different things you can do there, and yet we never want to think of Nat, of Natalia in that conversation. What we just you, always think she's on the she's put on the back burner. What if you put the two egos together and put Ronda and Natalia together? Oh, it'd be great because especially with the history that they have and the history that Becky and Charlotte have, even if it's some animosity and some beef, whether that be legitimate or not, if it's a work or a shoot, Becky and Charlotte just by constant association with each other a la Cena Rock or Cena or in Rock Austin that's going to sell itself so I, I, I'd be down for that and let Sasha be the referee <laughs> I mean I just here's my thing about Sasha it's just it's so sporadic in terms of when she's relevant or not and sure. a lot of that is shooting for the Mandalorian and getting into acting and injuries and then there was a whole squabble with you know the, the management and her future in the business but it's, it sucks that Sasha is only brought up in that conversation every once in a blue moon when it seems like the stars align. You know, Matt? Like, yeah, it's she's just like, definitely like one of the best women out there. Oh, of all time. Whole, since the whole women's revolution, the entire women's division had been based around the four horsewomen. Yeah. Bailey, Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte. Mm -hmm. So all the rest of them don't really have much of a chance they instead of getting they don't have traction. with one of those four people. Is the only way you're getting on television. And even of those four people, there's even there, like the, up, the, the upper half being the two of the, the pair of Charlotte and Becky, even they kind of have some leeway over Bailey and Sasha, who in their own right have done incredible things. And obviously Sasha with the main event against Bianca WrestleMania this past year, monumental. It was historical. And I just hope we get to see both Bailey and Sasha kind of back into that forefront because you know it's inevitable we're going to see Charlotte and Becky. Keep it going on the news cycle here. The official Twitter account for the Staples Center in L.A. states that Brock Lesnar will be in attendance for SmackDown come December 10th. So obviously, Who you know, cares? exactly. Is that something or nothing? Chief voice his thoughts. He does he's going to buy it. Front row ticket. Right. And then fly, yeah, flash into the camera when security tries to kick him out, he right, to, on TV. He ought to buy everybody a ticket. He can afford it. He just run out the Staples Center there himself. You go. <laughs> anyway, our boy Shant in the chat room says, guys, but Rhonda's done with everything. Let her live her life and her family she wants. So, yeah, I mean, you got to respect that, too. It's up to her. The question is, is that with some of the – things she said on Twitter and just some of the overall opinion she's had of the industry, an industry that she was so broad-eyed and bushy-tailed to join, that just seems so out of the blue. I think a lot of people want to see her to return to kind of rectify that, but at the same time, if she doesn't want to go, and it's now that she's had her baby and she's living her life on her farm with Travis Brown, she may be in a completely different state of mind than she was just three years ago. But you know, it's like I said over and over, when Vince's dad had the company, right? the wrestling the shows were a lot different than what vince puts on now and it's due to i hate to say it creativity whether good or bad lack thereof even whether good or bad the wrestlers that we have today how many potatoes were thrown back in the day every match versus today huh. you know you go back and look at the wrestlers 
back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, look at their ears. They had cauliflower ears. You look at today, they're Lottie Da boys. I heard, honestly, there's, that's a great point, Chief. I, heard, I read a tweet one time, um, and it was from a sports writer who covers all things combat sports, boxing, pro wrestling, and MMA, and he does a great job. His name is Jonathan Snowden, and he tweeted one time, back in the day, professional wrestlers walk down the street, and you think, there's a guy that could kick my ass. Nowadays, they're essentially theater kids who do CrossFit. And that's perfectly okay because for that very reason, <laughs> that's why there, there's that uptick in athleticism. There, the, the caliber of just overall, the fluidity, the explosiveness, the caliber of athlete is so much greater than it once was, but there's not the same type of edge. And that, again, I'm a millennial. I'm a 28-year-old saying that. I'm not one of these old heads saying, get off my lawn. Wrestling sucks now. It used to be good. No, there's a lot of truth to that. Now, again, there's always been shooters. There's always been guys who don't, who don't dabble in shooting and have been you know more susceptible to getting hurt by shooters but there was always that element of toughness and a risk of knowing that if i do something wrong and if i you know get out of line here i'm gonna get my ass whooped because this is a guy who's capable of really screwing me up if he gets a hold on me or if he does land a potato on me now there's these guys who would they probably run at the first sign of violence because they're not cut out for that life they're not built for it they don't want to be like like and it's okay the Undertaker goes on, you know, what, Joe Rogan and, and complains about the video game culture of Xavier and some of these other guys, but that's what they want to do. Like, yeah. that's that, the more power to them, but I do agree with Chief. You also can, at the same time, I don't want to say point the finger, but you could kind of look at them and say, that's where it's different. There's, no wrong, there's nothing wrong with you wanting to stay in a bar and, you know, pick up women like the guys used to back in the day from one town to another True. and then start fights with random dudes and, you know, break orbital bones and noses and, go, and get off scot-free. I think a lot of people are happier the product in the industry has cleaned up a little bit. But at the same time, that mentality, that approach is also not going to be there. So it's one of those pick your poison type of things, Chief. If I was going to do something, I'd want Blackjack Mulligan. <laughs> I'd want Dusty Rhodes. Haku. Haku. Yeah. Harley Race. Yeah, Harley could throw a punch, I guess. Uh, Dick Slater. Billy Robinson. Billy Robinson. You know who I'd really want, though? Luthez. Yeah. Bill, I'd say the two I'd want would be Billy Robinson and Luthez, and then probably Gene LaBelle. And and you and you know what, I'm going to put Kurt Angle in oh, there no too. Doubt. No doubt. All right, if I was going, if I needed, Ganya, if even. I needed somebody to watch my back, yeah, they'd be the type of guys I want. And even like a Ganya, are those guys with that amateur background, it, it's the guys with the martial arts oriented background. You know, a lot of times now guys cross train, but again, it's to it's to boost the athleticism, it's to boost your fluidity and your maneuverability in the ring. Yeah. Back then, it had nothing to do with that. Back then, it's like I'm doing this, I'm boxing in my spare time, I'm I'm bouncing at bars or you know collecting for the mob in my spare time because I need to be a real badass in real life. And even if it's predetermined, I need to sell to these people that I could kick anybody's in this arena's ass. And you know what? And he's prime. You know who else I'd want? Captain Lou. Mm, really? I heard, yeah, I heard he was a little... Uh, Captain Lou and Tony Altamori. Yeah. I'll take Danny scene. Hodge. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Danny, Danny, yeah. Danny Hodge, Billy Robinson, Vern Gagne, Gene LaBelle, Luthez. All those guys uh, with like that strong like catch-as-catch-can type of background, Nick I'm all for. Bockwinkle. There's another good one. Bob Backlund. I mean, there's a lot of guys who would, like, who would and you look tear at your him, arm off. And you look at them. The majority of them had cauliflower ears. Yeah. And, and 
cauliflower ears and were no strangers to black eyes and broken bones and busted knuckles. It was true, a, a rough and tumble type of atmosphere because there was that, it was a standard. You had to earn your stripes. And someone who knows about that being The Undertaker, as we wrap up here before we head into our uh, hour number two, Taker said in an interview that he wished Roman wound up breaking the streak back in 2014, not Brock. Now, we, speaking of shooters, right, we're talking here about guys with legitimate fighting and or amateur wrestling backgrounds. A big reason why Vince wanted Lesnar to be the guy to finally break the streak was just that. Vince says if there's one guy who could finally topple the mystique and the power of The Undertaker, if you will, it's a guy who could basically is, who's basically the baddest ass we've ever had in the company in terms of the MMA background and the sheer freakish size and athleticism. They thought they could really convince people that Lesnar was the guy, and Lesnar made a whole new career out of it basically ever since then. Here's Undertaker saying that it, what he would rather would have had it be Roman, which in the moment would have made a lot more sense. Brock didn't really need that push. Roman at the time, given the shield it was just getting ready to break up, would have made a little more sense, don't you think? True that, and with Brock Lesnar, I wonder like what his UFC career would have done if he never got diverticulitis yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff, huh? think anybody would have got that belt off of him. It's, it's so much of Brock Lesnar has been the benefit of hindsight in terms of yeah. whether you like praise him or you you're short to praise him. Go watch the old footage, whether it be on through UFC fight pass, or you could go YouTube it. The quick twitch muscle fibers that this guy had to move around in the, in the heavyweight division. It did not make any sense. Technically scary individual. Yeah. Technically he may have never wowed you. I don't know if I've ever seen someone so physically equipped, if you will, and so just freakishly skilled in terms of being able to use their body and athleticism to their advantage to make up for that technique to technical gap like Brock Lesnar. He said it. It's what allowed him to dominate as a division one heavyweight wrestler. It's what allowed him to dominate in professional wrestling and allowed him to dominate for a short time in MMA. So he's yeah. one of those guys. He truly is one of those you know, ninth wonder of the world type of attractions who also has a badass reputation to go along with it. I mean, it's one of those guys where I see why Lesnar was chosen. It should have been Roman, though. But in terms, in terms of the bene, benef, uh, benefiting a guy's career moving forward, Lesnar didn't need that push. Well, I've worked security a long time. Like, not a lot intimidates me. Brock Lesnar will, yeah. But I've seen him stare somebody down, and I looked over. I was like, the fuck not? Nope, yeah. see you later. <laughs> He's a monster. I have some breaking news. December the 7th. Mark this on your calendar. At Firehouse Subs, 5705. 5905. 5905. That's your line. 50, <laughs> 5905. Sweet 109. Sweet 109 on Eastern Avenue at 7 p.m. I have been working very hard to get this gentleman on the podcast, the remote podcast that night. I've been working hard. He's my hometown boy. He's from the Five Points. Not you, you people out there don't know what the Five Points are, but this gentleman does. Mr. Remy Marcel will be our guest at Firehouse Subs December the 7th. Come on out and join us. Because the chief said so. There you have it. What a way to wrap up hour one. Book it in, forward to that one. Book it in stone. Absolutely. And great time, timeliness there, chief, with the uh, confirmation there. So you heard it. Be there. And you guys obviously do those remote shows regularly. Our producer, Aaron, and everybody 
here involved the Go Live Vegas, who, able, who makes that happen, does a great job. So, of course, looking forward to that. Aaron will be there for that one with the usual gang. But we here today keep it moving along with Aaron out of the picture. It's Brett Lawson in with Matt and the Chief. Hour number one in the books. Hour two coming up, so stay put. Eddie Edwards on the way. One. It's not the worst podcast ever, is it? It's no. the best podcast. Thoughts count anywhere. All your wrestling news, all your hobbit hey, all your gimmickry. Go on over, listen wherever your podcasts are downloaded. The Thoughts Count Anywhere podcast. I'm the big LG Doc Ellis. That's my endorsement. Booyah! At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide much-needed life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs make a difference. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. If inspiration is the beginning, where does it lead? Experience the 2021 Mazda 3 sedan and see where inspiration can take you. Grab the brass ring in a 2021 Mazda 3 with exclusive FSW discounts at Finley Mazda. Get Garth today at the Valley Auto Mall. In for the second hour of Thoughts Town Anywhere. And my cohorts in crime here said uh, I need to elevate myself a little bit. So on December the 7th at 7 p.m., Firehouse Subs, 5905 Eastern Avenue, Suite 109. We are going to have the 86er himself going up for the Nevada State title against Kloss, Mr. Remy Marcel. And brother, am I waiting to have you at the remote podcast because... Everybody thinks you're from Vegas, which you are, but you and I are homegrown from the Garden State. You know what Bret Hart said about New Jersey? I could care <laughs> less what Bret Hart said about New Jersey. I'll take him out with a kendo stick. Well, all right. So yeah, so obviously Chiefs up, uh, up the ante there. So at Chief, before we go in and uh, set up, Mr. Eddie Edwards, are you? Uh, you get all that off your chest? You good to go? Hey, I'm ready, man. Awesome. He's uh, ready. Matt's ready. I'm, I'm ready. ready. And our audience is ready as we now bring him on. Currently signed Impact Wrestling, a former two-time Impact World Champion, two-time Impact X Division Champion, and a five-time Impact World Tag Team Champion. With plenty of timely news, as we will get to hear momentarily, he's Eddie Edwards, and we thank him so much for joining us here on TCA. Oh, man, I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Uh, the thunderous ovation. He's stoked. The next champ. The next I, love, champ I, mean, right I, heard, I heard. I heard kendo stick, and I'm ready to go. Let's go, brother. <laughs> I'll be there uh, front row next Saturday night. Uh, I'm in your corner, and uh, I'm looking forward to you winning the damn belt. an opportunity like this to kind of to regain that world title for an elusive third time at this point and uh you know going against going against moose no slouch there's no denying what he's been capable of ladies lately so i'm looking forward to las vegas i always am so i'll be i will be looking for you front row and maybe you have an, a spare kendo stick just in case we never know what's going to happen 
just have one maybe if they let you in the building with it. That might, well, <laughs> hey, that, that might be if he even makes it, man. I hear he's got a <laughs> signing out here next week or something, uh, uh, Sunset <laughs> Station or something, so I might hit him with a kendo stick out there. Who knows? Now we're talking. Like where we're at. Where I like where we're at. <laughs> 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 you know, I think it was somewhat of a similar story. a lot of people see how I was Hogan. Oh man, all the just the whole thing of wrestling when I was younger, really young. I, you know, I was get older in my early teen years. And, uh, I fell out of it. I was playing sports, playing basketball, playing baseball, stuff like that. And then actually, my young brothers, imagine that. Uh, my brother, he actually he was wrestling at the time, and he got me to watch it one night, and you know, for me, it was it's moment or it's one or one one event that got him help me it was so he turned on I was like wow this, this is something different this is something to do you know it was it was the atmosphere it was violence brutality it was the showmanship it was everything combined where it's like okay I need, to, I need to find out how I can get into this and how Are a little bit more modern or kind of kind of in the middle there. Killer Kowalski's full blown old school. Do you think that kind of gave you a certain oh. advantage? Because we were even talking about that before you came on. How the, that old breed just has a different mindset. Uh, for sure, there's no doubt about it. You know, I can still, I, I can still close my eyes. Even just talking about it now, I still get the chills. I can remember walking up the, the creaky old stairs upstairs to uh, to Walter Kowalski's, you know, School of Professional Wrestling, and it still brings me back. And I remember walking. Back and you know Walter sitting down in his chair which he would he would be every day you know at the time I started he wasn't in the ring per se every day training people you know he was out he was coaching from the outside Slick Wagner Brown uh, another local guy from the Boston area was the head trainer at the time so Walter would be there watching every day he was the first one there he'd be the last one to leave every day um, and you know when you go in there just by by the lessons that he teaches and the things that he shows you you know that you know, by the time when he was coming up, it was very different. And he taught us how to protect ourselves. He taught us how to, you know, take care of business if that's what needs to happen when we're in the ring. You never, you never know, especially, you know, back in the day, you don't know if somebody might try to take advantage of you. And, you know, he gave us the weapons to kind of help protect ourselves if a moment like that did happen. And just his mentality is, you know, especially compared to today, it was, it was very different. I'm, and I'm very honored and I'm very, Happy, you know, at this point in my career that I was able to kind of get in with that old guard where, you know, times have changed and times currently change. But there's moments, you know, every time I go out to the ring or I'm in the back, I'm, you know, I'm grateful that I was able to train with somebody of his caliber. Hey, Eddie, uh, it's Chief. I, I, I have to say to you, I saw you years and years ago 
when you got your start, and I'm going to take you back memory lane, New, yeah. Engl New England Championship Wrestling. Oh, yes. The, uh, the one and only Sheldon Goldberg. Yeah, where was buddy. Was that when it where was that show? Was it Quincy? It was Quincy. And that's where I got to see you the first time wrestle. So I followed your career ever since. Oh, and, thank you. And uh what what you have coming up Saturday is well deserved. Uh you were trained by one of the best. I got to see Killer Kowalski many times in Madison Square Garden. Awesome. Uh so yeah, you are trained old guard, brother. And Yeah, uh, man. I, yeah. I hear you. And you, and the one thing I can say and I'll say it is when an opponent gets in the ring with you, you know how to take care of them properly. Mm -hmm. And you know how to throw a potato if you need to. <laughs> exactly, you know, and and I want I've always kind of wanted, you know, even from the days of NECW, um, you know, it's kind of where I started working, you know, more often than I did anywhere else, along with my uh, one of my best friends, my best friend, D.C. Dillinger, who has who has passed away, unfortunately, my boy. But, uh, you know, from that point, it, even up to this point in my career, I've always wanted to be one of those guys when a guy knows that they're going to wrestle me or they know that we have a match. I want them to know, like, all right, I'm I'm in for it. Like, I, I want them to know, like. You know, it's not going to be unsafe, but we're going to go out there. We're going to have, I want to feel exhausted. I want to feel beaten up after the match. And that's, I mean, this Saturday night, that's how it's going to be against Moose. I know that I'm going to be beat up. I know I'm going to be bumped and bruises and possibly bleeding. Who knows? But he'll be doing the same. And that's, I look forward to that motion. I look forward to walking back through the curtain. And it all just, it all washes over. And you're like, damn, we went, we went to war out there. You know I, I heard Arn Anderson say one time, and I want to ask you, when you come through the curtain, when you come through the curtain and you come out, you got goosebumps. When you go back th behind the curtain, you know if you had a good match or not by the way the crowd reacted. Do you still, uh, do you still feel that way today, brother? thousand percent, thousand percent. I, I still say, you know, I, I remember... Taz said one time in an interview, I think it was after he retired, he said he was standing in the back and, you know, his music was playing and he didn't have those goosebumps, he didn't have butterflies, and he knew, you know, that was time to, to get away from it. And for me, I, you know, people try to say they're not nervous and stuff before going out, but I, yeah, same thing, I enjoy those butterflies. I want those goosebumps as the music's playing. You're going out there, you go, you give it your all, and then, like you said, you come back through the curtain, and you can tell by the atmosphere in the back, the atmosphere, you know, out with the people, you could tell if you had a good or not, and you can feel it just in your in your body, and that adrenaline is still pumping, and you can feel it when you walk back through, and it's great when you look over and you see one of your boys or one of your friends or office or whatever, and you kind of give that look like, we did, you know, we did it out there. That was that was one for the books, you know. He's Eddie Edwards, and he's taking on Moose 
Live November 20th at Turning Point from Samstown, Las Vegas. Obviously, Impact doing incredible things there from the Samstown venue. And that's kind of really what brings me to my next question, Eddie. With such a strong influx of talent coming in and out of that promotion, obviously, the matchup with Moose is going to be highly promoted. That's a great rivalry, a world title matchup. It's something you could sell a card with, and it's a great main event. But aside from that, is there anyone else in the current landscape that you think you would match up well against? I mean, like you said, the great thing about Impact Wrestling right now is it is, in fact, the destination for, for a lot of people. If they, mm-hmm. you know, if they quit or they, they leave another company, Impact Wrestling is now a place that people want to come to, which is a great thing. That's a great – there was a struggle for a while for Impact Wrestling to get to that point, but now right. it's at the point where you never know who's going to come in. You never know who's going to show up. And, you know, in wrestling, it's, uh, you know, there's an old – old saying, tell a telephone, telegram, tell a wrestler. And that's how you find out, informa- that's how you find out information. And it's great to hear through the grapevine of people who have come in and done a couple of shots here and there. And they have nothing but positive things to say about Impact Wrestling. And that, that is something that I take a whole lot of pride in. Um, as far as the Ross, I mean, turning point, and then we have, you know, we have the two days of TV tapings the following days after that. I mean, the roster right now is so stacked and obviously – um, with everything that's going on, Josh Alexander, who has a match on Impact this Thursday against Minoru Suzuki, a match that I'm, I can't wait to see. He's the guy that I would love to get in there and go toe to toe with. You know, Trey Miguel, who continues to up his game each and every time he goes out there. We got Willie Mack, Rich Swan, who are doing great things for the tag division. The Good Brothers, of course. There's just so much talent. I feel like one of the best things about Impact is, you know, one night you could be in the opening match. And then the next night, you can be in the main event, and there's no disparity. You know, like you're still going to go out there. You're still going to have one of the best cards you're going to see. He's Eddie Edwards talking to us here live on TCA. If you want to join in the conversation, have a question for Eddie, want to share your thoughts with him, go ahead and jump on the phone, 702-329-6947. is the line for callers outside the United States. Chief, you have another question for Eddie? I do. Eddie, if... You had a chance of one match of anybody who's ever wrestled. Who would you like to wrestle? Uh, you know, that's, that's a very tough question for me, but I, I tend to go for, you know, just off the top of my head and in, in around Impact Wrestling and TNA Wrestling, a guy that I never got to have a singles match with, I did get to have a six-man tag with, would be Kurt Angle. Uh, you know, I think he's obviously, obviously one of the best ever. But you know, I don't. I hate to leave people off the list because there's so many guys that I would love to put on that list. You know, and Eddie Guerrero, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. You know, I mean, Sawa. There's just I could go on and on. There's so so much, so many guys that I would love to step in the ring with. But Kurt is definitely towards the top of that list. I like to see you have a match with Killer Kowalski. Myself. Oh, I mean, of course. I, I mean, I wouldn't have to go toe to toe. I know what he's. I know what he's capable of. I don't yeah. want to go through that. The student. The student knows the master well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Eddie. Eddie, let me ask you this. You've talked about, obviously, in your start in the business, being able to work with a legend like Killer Kowalski and one day hoping to get work, or I guess you could say a perfect dream-like scenario, getting to work with a legend like Kurt Angle. But in terms of your personal style and how you kind of developed your own craft, was there anybody in particular that you really modeled your game after? You have like a a Mount Rushmore of faces that you kind of idolized growing up. What really kind of made you separate yourself from the pack? 
You know, for me, I think, you know, it was definitely a combination of obviously my training at Killer Kowalski's and learning that style. And then I got the opportunity to go over to Japan and train in pro wrestling NOAA, where I lived in the dojo and I trained there just as a trainee at that point. And that very much molded who I, who I am as a wrestler, but also who I am as a person. I went over there when I was, you know, 21, 22 years old, and I'm over there living in Japan. I'm, you know, I'm the only American there. I'm the only one speaking English, but, you know, the universal language is pro wrestling, and that's what we did. And so at that point, I learned so much from so many great guys over there. I mean, obviously, you have a Misawa and a, a Kenta Kobashi and Jun Akiyama yep. and guys like that. And then it was the newer guard who were trading, you know, us in the ring, like a Marafuji and, and Kenta and Kotaro Suzuki and Ogawa were, were training. So I feel like I try to take a little bit from everywhere. You know, I've never wanted to be, you know, some guys get into wrestling and they have, you know, one idol or one person they want to mold themselves after. For me, it was always, I wanted to be able to succeed anywhere I went. And I wanted to be able to succeed in America, you know, with Killer Close's training. I wanted to go to Japan and wrestle that style. I wanted to be able to go to Mexico and wrestle that style. I lived in England for six months to learn that style. So I very much try to make myself a student of the art, you know, to learn my craft and take a little bit from here and here and here. That way I can use it at any point in my career for whatever match I have. You know, I think one of the best tag teams I ever saw in modern times was the American Wolves. Thank you for that. I, I mean, we had great times, great times. And I say this with the utmost respect to you and to Davey. I know Davey started wrestling again. I would hope that I can say to you, Eddie, I'd like to see the American Wolves one more time. You know, and, and the thing is, we, uh, we actually reunited for our first tag match in, you know, four, four years, I believe, a few weeks ago at Wrestling Revolver in Iowa. Um, and we wrestled there. And honestly, it was like, you know, we didn't miss a beat. We get in that ring and, and the chemistry's there. We look at each other. You know, I know what he's going to do. He knows what I'm going to do. And it's onward from there. Uh, you know, in wrestling, everybody knows you never say never. And that's something that I'd be, you know, I'm more than open to, and I, I enjoy tagging with Davey, and I'm just, I'm happy to see him back uh, and wrestling again. Yes, sir, I agree with you. And I just want to say, next Saturday night, 7 p.m., Samstown Live, Mr. Eddie Edwards, who we have on with us now, going against the Moose. Or, no, I'm sorry, Moose. My <laughs> apologies, Moose. Either way, his name is N-New is all you're going to hear at the end That's of the right. N-New. <laughs> exactly, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, have you guys have you guys been over to Sam's Town at all, man? Yeah, recently, too. Oh, yeah, we were yeah. bound for glory and the TV oh. tapings there. Yeah, and awesome. Hell, yeah. It's a great, great setup. We had, I mean, I was ecstatic with the crowd that we had there. So I'm, I'm looking forward to next week, man. It's going to be fun. I haven't missed a wrestling show in Las Vegas since, like, 1996. I love it. The consi <laughs> Matt's consistency is real. Eddie, Hell, yes. Hey, Eddie, let me ask you another question. What's it like having your wife as a professional wrestler, and do you bounce ideas off of each other? It's, uh, it's very much a team effort, you know. Uh, when you first signed on with Impact, you know, we obviously there's, there's questions we didn't know, and, and we didn't know how things were going to go because, you know, it's to be with each other 24-7 – 
365 is a whole it's a whole different level you know it's a whole different ball game where before she signed on with impact you know i would travel she would do independent shows so we would you know we'd have our time apart and that was you know whatever absence makes the heart grow fonder type of thing um so when she signed with impact and we started traveling you know we didn't know how it was going to go but you know honestly it's been great the whole time you know obviously the fact that I have somebody to do it with, we have a partner to travel with. We have somebody somebody else to wake up with me at four in the morning to go to the airport and, you know, make these long travel days. It's awesome to have, you know, my my life, my partner of my life with me, uh, you know, all the time. And we de- definitely very much bounce ideas off each other. It's it's a very give and take. And it's uh, it's awesome to see how far she's come in, in her spot and impact and how comfortable she's gotten. In the way she's grown over the past few years, it's amazing to see. And I and I love, it's very much like a security blanket to have her with me. I know she's going to be with me. I know we're going back to the hotel together. I know we're going to be staying together. It, it's a comfortable thing, and I really enjoy that. With all, like, the big matches you've had in your career through Ring of Honor and everywhere else, you've been champion every single place you've ever gone. Do you keep like your gear from like your biggest matches or do you have like any of your own stuff? I, I do have, I try to keep um, like the matches, stuff from the bigger matches. I try to keep my gear and stuff that I wore for it. Or if I, if there was a t-shirt for the event or something like that, I don't have them displayed anywhere. I just have them in, you know, in a storage area that I have. And uh, because I do, I, I really cherish my career and, and there's so many moments that I, that I do like to go back to and think of. And I don't want to, I don't want to be a guy who forgets about my past and where I've come, where I've come from and what I've gone through. So I, I try to keep stuff, just a little reminders. And also I have a daughter. So at some point I could bore her with the details of when I, when and where I wore these, <laughs> these pants or these boots or whatever. Gotcha. You know, one name that just popped into my head that uh, I'm going to take you down memory lane. How about Slick Wagner Brown? That's my man. That, that is my boy. That was, that, was, that, was, that was the head trainer at Killer Kowalski's when I was there. He was the head trainer, man. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, actually, I'm, I'm actually going to see him today, ironically. I'm gonna have. I'm happy to see him today at an independent show uh, outside of Boston. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. And again, a guy that has meant so much to my career. You know, it meant so much to my career, and he meant so much to independent wrestling. He was very much ahead of his time and one of the bigger names in the indies at the time I came in. He, I got to see him in. Uh, you know, like I said, up in New England Championship Wrestling area. Uh, it was some good wrestling back then, brother. And, yeah, uh, I, I, I owe a lot to him. I really do. I, one of my uh, fondest and most painful memories would be when I was in Kowalski's. And anytime Wagner came up with a new move, guess who you tried on? You're, look, you're, looking, at, you're looking at him. Like, hey, you want to try what? <laughs> I, I can't say no. You got it, pal. We got it. I had a question for you, Eddie. You have, like, probably one of the best theme musics in all of wrestling. Did you have like a say so in like part of the song or how did that come it was, about? You know, it, you never, it, it took a while to obviously to get to that. And I, and I absolutely love, love the music that I have now. Um, 
but it's very much trial and error for sometimes. And, you know, we get the opportunity, uh, I guess, speaking for myself personally, where, you know, they send you a few and you get to kind of pick and choose. And if you have an idea that you want to try to incorporate, um, they'll do their best to do that. But this is one that was, you know, it happened to be laying around and it was like this this would be perfect and you know as soon as anybody heard it i felt you know when you listen to the lyrics and the story it's like how how does this somehow sum up my career and my life i feel it felt like i had a real connection to it and i think i think people can kind of sense that when your music really you know emotes what you want what you're feeling or or how you think when you go out there like you know i'm taking back what's mine you can't hold me down i am the fire like that's that's kind of the way I, I feel when I go out to the ringer, you know, each and every day of my life. It just, you know, a happy accident, but also, you know, maybe it was willed to happen. Who knows? Eddie, we'll get you out of here on this. Again, Turning Point coming up November 20th next Saturday at Samstown here in Las Vegas. At Samstown, where we last saw Moose, definitely uh, made some big-time news. And that crowd, because we were all there live, that crowd reacted big time. As someone who know, knows him so well and as someone who's taking him on with that gold on the line, what does this feel like for you seeing an opponent that you have a history with now at a, per, a, a point in his career to where now he's succeeding? Has that been kind of gratifying for you to where maybe this is a rival, but this is also someone that has kind of come full circle just like you have? Does that mean extra to you? I mean, you know, it does. Uh, the fact that... He, he, you know, he left his, his job in the, you know, National Football League. He left, the, you know, he left the NFL to become a professional wrestler to chase his dream. I mean, that's something that I can relate to. We all get it. We get into wrestling because we want to chase this dream. We want to be the very best. We want to be the world champion. And I, and I've seen Moose struggle and fight and claw his way to get to where he is now and become the world champion. He did whatever he's had to do. He's done everything that's been asked of him to get to this point. And, it, it, you know, it is nice to see, you know, a guy who wanted it so bad. I've seen him go through everything to get here, and he is now the world champion. It is cool to see. And it's also, you know, we do have a very long history as far as, you know, at Impact Wrestling. His, his debut, he came out in a match that I was in, and he beat me up. You know what I mean? Like, there's, right. we have a very storied history. We have the history with me and him and obviously myself and Alicia. And then also just... Personally, we, we know each other, we, we see each other, we travel together, we have traveled together, things have changed. Uh, it's a little bit different now, but knowing, I know what he feels like going to this match. I remember what it's like to be the new champion, and you don't want to be that guy who goes down to the record as one of the shortest reigning champions of all time. And that, I mean, that's my goal on Saturday. And I also enjoy the fact that we spoke earlier. I know it's going to be a war. I know that we're both going out there, and we're going to leave it all out there. We're, we're, going, we're going to leave it all over Sam's town. I mean, things, things are going to get crazy. I'm, I, you know, I'll do whatever I need to do to get that title back, and I know he's going to do whatever he can do to keep it. It's going to be one of those matches where I walk back through the curtain, either ecstatic and beaten up or pretty pissed off and beaten up. One the, either way, I'm going to be beat up, and so is he. Eddie, let's close on this. This is going to be the last question from us. Well, actually, I think the last question is that we actually will wrap it up here. That actually, you nailed it right there, Eddie. 
because we were just going to ask you what your message to Moose was, and you said it all right there. You made it clear this is going to be a war come Saturday. You have a personal history with him. You've admired what he's had to come through in his career to get where he wants to be now with this gold around his waist, but now you have an opportunity to take that from him. So, again, he's Eddie Edwards. He's taking on Moose with it all on the line next week from Samstown here in Las Vegas at Turning Point. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us here on Thoughts Count Anywhere this morning, and good luck in your bout coming up in a week from now. Thank you, guys. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for the support. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Best of luck to you, boss. Thank you, Eddie. We we really appreciate it. So there you go. And, you know, guys, it's always so cool, and I've been lucky enough just to be in the studio, whether it be on the couch, to – Join in on the festivities when you have a big matchup coming up, a big card coming up. So when you could get some of that talent on the show to not only just look ahead, but talent who has a history with his opponent, that just makes it that much more, I guess you could say, it makes it deeper, it makes it juicier, it just makes it, what for us as wrestling fans, so much more worth the while. So we can't wait for that. Yeah, it's going to be a good show. I can't wait. Yeah, there you have it. So we'll go ahead and reset here. Great stuff from Eddie. We had him on for nearly a full 30 minutes. Amazing answers from both his past throughout uh, wrestling, his upbringing, and, of course, where he is now. So, again, catch him next week taking on Moose live from Samstown. TCA will be back right after this. One. It's not the worst podcast ever, is it? It's no. the best podcast. Thoughts count anywhere. All your wrestling news, all your hobbit, hey, all your gimmickry. Go on over, listen wherever your podcasts are downloaded. The Thoughts Count Anywhere podcast. I'm the big LG Doc Ellis. That's my endorsement. Booyah! If you order Firehouse subs online or with our app, we'll have those delicious, melty subs boxed, bagged, and ready to pick up with Rapid Rescue to Go. Firehouse subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Sin City Sublimation is an all-in-one design and manufacturing shop making everything here in Las Vegas. Most companies have everything made overseas. We do not and can do all the work in two weeks or less. From the court to the field, we have all types of sports uniforms for your liking, but if you are looking for something else, we also make memorial shirts, birthday shirts, and fan gear for your kids' teams. Send us an email at sales at sincitysublimation.com, and if you mention Thoughts Count Anywhere, we will take $5 off each shirt with a minimum of 12 purchased. A pro wrestler-owned business, we are known for reasonable pricing with a fast turnaround all made in the USA. For more information, go to SinCitySublimation.com for more. This is John Cena. I just, I, just, I just wanted to send you a congratulations on your podcast. Thoughts count anywhere. Because indeed they do. Thoughts are important. I mean, what would they, we do without them? And how can they not count anywhere? I just, is there a place that thoughts don't count? I can't think of one. Well, I just wanted to say thank you very much. Congratulations and good luck on the podcast. Thoughts count anywhere, because they do. All right. Plenty to talk about here on TCA, and what a great conversation that was with Eddie Edwards. And if you want to join the conversation, be sure to jump, find us. Jump on that line, 702-329-6947. If you are outside the States, go ahead and punch in 855-502-4321. And, of course, as we are... As all shows on the Go Live Vegas platform, you can find us on Facebook. Get in the chat room as well. John Rankin says, Eddie, I hope you enjoyed that treat I gave you last month. So I don't have context on that, but that's from John Rankin. And uh, Eddie, Eddie was great. You know, like that's why I said I love when you get to have guests on like that who get to reflect back on their career but also look forward for what they have coming up in store. So, again, that's in the near future. And also in the near future, Chief is chomping at the bit here. 
full gear predictions. And you, you know, let me just throw this out. Mm -hmm. For you people out there who don't know who Killer Kowalski is. Oh, yeah. Go back and watch one of his matches as a professional wrestler. Then you're going to understand what Eddie did or said by being trained by Killer Kowalski and Slick Wagner Brown. Go back and look at it. You're going to understand what part of old school is about. So, and as somebody just put up, when did he kill that guy? And he did kill a, another wrestler in the ring years ago. That's a true story. And I'll just leave it at that. But, Eddie, thank you very much for coming on. We the, appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And when you get, like, kind of what we discussed with him, when you have somebody who's from that old school, a lot of the trainers now kind of represent that transitional period. Killer Kowalski was that entire period all the way back. So anybody who he has trained now in the past couple of decades, obviously Triple H is one of the big ones, but even more recently than that, that shows that his influence really is everlasting. And it shows that, you know, if you were one of those guys lucky enough to be under his tutelage for those last few years, it could kind of separate you from the pack, as Chief alluded to, because there, it is noticeable when you see guys who have that type of upbringing, who know that type of psychology, as opposed to guys who don't, because there's a lot of women and men who are incredible athletes but just can't tell the same type of story. Well, you know, I, I think about it. Um, you know, Eddie, Eddie being trained by Killer Kowalski, then you have people coming out of the Heart Dungeon yeah. and other places like that. And, you know... As you just alluded to, the rig psychology, the wrestling, knowing how to take care of your opponent, becoming world champions, it says something about the way they were trained. And you go all over the place from the dungeon to the New Japan Dojo, all the different schools throughout the territories uh, over the years in the States. It's just one after the other, and now they seem like such a rare breed. I mean, most of them are extinct now. Now wrestling schools yeah. are something that's like, mainstream and now you have a d-league for it essentially a developmental league in the wwe and it, uh, more and more promotions are going to kind of add that type of element in the near future rest assured so it's almost one of those things where if you blinked you missed it if you didn't catch the bus on that last ride you're you know it's too late gone but not forgotten it's just that old school that old train of thought that just can't be replaced and can't be replicated you know i just think about it you have uh al snow with a wrestling school up yep. here and uh you have lance lance storms lance storm you have ricky morton's got a wrestling school austin idol's got a wrestling school these are old school type people uh there you go there's a picture of the killer yes sir killer kowalski and he was a hell of a wrestler a and I'll say it this way, he was one tough son of a bitch. Yeah, he, had, he was the first to really popularize the claw, right? Because you had the Von Erics you like use, but he was one of the first to ever like really make that a move. The, I'm stomach, basically gonna, the stomach claw. Yes, right. I'm basically going to use my hand to mutilate a part of your body. So, <laughs> again, it's something you just don't see anymore. But obviously in professional wrestling, it's fun, it, fun as it is to reflect and to reminisce, to look back. We also have to look forward, and what we're looking forward to now, full gear. And obviously, we like to make predictions on the show, you guys more so than me, as I'm kind of just filling in here where need be. But a very interesting card, star-studded. There's oh, yeah. plenty to talk about here, plenty to dissect. 
looking at the AEW championship match between Kenny Omega and Adam Page, you know, the, I'm excited for this one. And I think a lot of people are and have been for quite a while just because on paper these two had made for an interesting matchup. You had the title in the mix. What are your guys, what, like, what's your overall feeling on it? What are you gauging, Matt? It's been a year in the making. Yeah. And I really hope we get a new champion out of this. Kenny Omega had a good run, but... It's time. Time for some cowboy shit. I agree with that. And, you know, Omega's the kind of guy who he can very easily reset after, like, getting the title off of him. So I think, in a way, oh, yeah. it, would be, it would be refreshing for Omega, while also, as you said, presenting a new feel with the champion, who's very... And that's very important, because AEW has had so much with Danielson and Punk and everybody else coming over. You have legends already, and... I think it's also key to not lose sight of how important building around your champion is. Not saying they've done that, but I just don't want them to ever get watered down to where the champion becomes an afterthought. And a good way for the, to prevent just that happening is to keep it fresh, keep the title moving. I think with everything the hangman's been through recently, mm -hmm. um, I agree with Matt. I think it's time. Yeah. Uh, I'm picking the hangman. And, and the, one, the reason I am is because he went back and he told the Young Bucks to stay the hell out of his match, and he meant it. That was a potato shot, okay, the way he said it. It was a potato mm -hmm. shot. I love how that's the running theme of the show, potato. And I think, uh, I think it's his time, and I think, uh, I think we're going to see a new champion. And I, I've got a gut feeling. I think Kenny's uh, heading back to Japan. I, and I think a lot of people kind of need to prepare themselves for that possibility as well. Not saying he, we won't ever see him again, but we have to be cognizant of the fact that this is a guy who's had such a strong brand elsewhere, has such a following at the international level. He's a guy who loves the country of Japan more than life itself to begin with. So you know he has a longing to get back there at some point. I think it's inevitable we'll see him in that realm again. But at the same time, just Kenny Omega being able to do what he has done in AEW and them signing to him in 2019 was so big. I mean, we remember just a couple, I mean, if two, three years ago now, that sent shockwaves through the industry, much like bringing in Jericho did. Let me ask you this. Chief, I, th oh, I, th I think Kenny's going to be saying Ohio Gazimus in the morning in Tokyo. There you go. And that's Chief's prediction for that matchup in terms of the AW Championship. Let's focus on the AW Women's Championship, though, however. What are you feeling on that, Chief? Do you think there will also be a, a change in title no. there or what? No. no? I, th I think uh, Britt's going to retain. I do, too. My, I it's just my opinion. Yeah, I think for all the reasons we men uh, mentioned how Hangman winning the title would make sense logically. I think Britt keeping the title is the same exact thing. It just makes more sense right now. What do you think, Matt? I think Britt Baker is still going to be champion. Mm -hmm. But Tay Conti has come a long way yeah. since like her NXT days. And she's like a total 180. She need, yeah. What it used to Con be. Conti needs to look good in the match. I think Baker retains, but this has to be one of those back and forth type of affairs that shows Conti could one day have that belt. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Tay Conti's my new hubcap. <laughs> hubcap and potato. That's the running Who's theme not here. your hubcap? <laughs> Uh, you're just saying she's eye candy. Have you seen her I love in the it. ring? Yes. Tune into TNT on Wednesdays or YouTube, something. Why? <laughs> Get your eyes on the visual feed. I now I'm really curious. Who's the best woman wrestler right now? Who do I think? 
Yeah. Seriously, yeah. out of all of them, Thunder Rosa. And Nicholas Brunette in the chat room actually says he could see Conti winning. And again, if you want to share your predictions, share your opinions on the Carters, anything else going on within the world of professional wrestling, jump on the line, 702-329-6947-855-502-4321 outside the United States. And again, we want to continue to hear your thoughts. And I get it. I mean, hey, N- Nicholas nailed it. He, I could also see Conti winning in terms of the person being the right, being equipped for the title. I just think in the immediate sense in terms of timing, it makes more sense. He got awful quiet when I said Thunder Rosa. <laughs> he, he hopped on Google or something or on social media, started pecking at his keyboard. <laughs> Matt, let me ask you this. Darby Allen, MJF, that's honestly what I'm, I'm most excited for just because of the two. In terms of the actual stakes of the matchup, you could make the case that the, the championship bouts are bigger. But Darby Allen versus MJF, you want to talk about one that moves the needle. Have you ever seen in recent memory a, a natural heel at such a young age? Isn't he like 23? He's not even yeah. 24 yet. That's mind-blowing. He's incredible. And the, like the version we are seeing of him now is probably going to be lame compared to the version we see down the road. All he's doing is that, like, we talk, Eddie talked about it. Professional wrestling is all about being a sponge, absorbing everything from your surroundings. That's what MJF's doing. I can't wait to see him in the future. And he's going against Darby Allen, who you could say the exact same thing. A guy True. whose stock is going to get even bigger. Yeah, they said they're like the four pillars of AEW, yeah. and that's so, about the truest thing I've heard it, in the wrestling I could promo. I couldn't agree more with you more. It's such a good way to articulate that because it's true. We talk about how big the four horsewomen are, were for not just NXT, but for women's revolution and changing the entire culture surrounding the industry. AEW, in many ways, the lifeblood of it is exactly what you alluded to. Yes, you have former stars from other companies, but having these guys being able to really make their bones and, and Adam, Adam Page doing, uh, being able to do the same exact thing, this is what you need. It's kind of like a TV network. You want the right kind of balance of replays but original programming. AEW as a TV product does that. Original but also new and fresh. I, the one question I wished I got to ask Eddie was how much creative freedom he had. Mm. So I'm going to say this about this match right here. MJF and Darby, I feel and believe that they have a lot of creative freedom, especially MJF, because you're right. He's probably, and Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, I'd say he's probably the biggest heel in wrestling right now. Oh, oh yeah, for and, sure. And if, and if not the biggest, definitely the best. I only say not the biggest just because... There's so much attention that still surrounds the WWE guys. There's but a Roman Reigns out exactly, there. but we are living in a day, <laughs> but we're living in a day and age where now there's a conversation to be had with both parties. So even if he's not the best, if you're sitting down with your buddies, whether it be doing a podcast, sitting around the water cooler, sitting around the break room, just shooting the shit, and you're talking about the best heels in wrestling, if you don't bring up MJF, you're not doing, you're you're not watching where you need to be watching. He is that good. You know, and and at one time CM Punk was probably the biggest heel in wrestling. No doubt. And became the biggest tweener as a result. So now MJF hopefully is picking Punk's brain on being more creative as a heel. And if he's not, he's stupid. I think MJF does a lot more heel stuff because he plays that character like twenty four seven. Exactly, and that's what's like flipping kids off. And and that's what's so funny. Punk worked because Punk could be a tweener slash antihero because Punk was against the establishment. Who was the establishment? Heels, Vince McMahon and and the McMahon family, the McMahon regime. He was trying to break away from that at a time when he was the heel. 
MJF is just your classic throw to the wall bad guy. Like he is the kind of guy, he's pompous, he's arrogant, and he does not care. He's going to say whatever he wants. And you just said it all right there, Matt. He is one of those guys who you don't have to just tune into on TNT or be at a venue live to see how good he is. You follow him on social media, it's constantly there. If he has a camera in front of him or a keyboard in front of him or of any type, like where he could get his voice out there, so to speak, he's going to deliver. Like he's one of those guys who has that special ability to constantly make you not like him. It was funny, a double or nothing. We went like behind or like the, like near where like the exit gate is because uh-huh. we're catching like all the wrestlers leaving. And a couple of the people had like pictures for MJF, and he came out, and they were like, "MJF, would you mind signing?" He was like, "Suck my dick." Yeah, it's, it's and unreal. And he just kept going. Like, and he, they were like, "No, for real, MJF, would you sign?" He was like, "Fuck off." Yeah. And he just kept going. I was, Kate, like, I was like, "That was way funnier than signing an autograph." He's I don't like, even care. He's like, he's staying in character. Yeah. yeah. Kayfabe is like, it's not even kayfabe or, or like, there's no work or shoot. He is MJF at all times, and that's what the Dudleys did at their time during ECW. Back in the day, like, great heels know how to not only piss you off, they know how to make you hate them to where they're all like, dude, this isn't a character. I just despise this dude's existence. Yeah. Well, you know. Even his parents had a sign that says, we're MJF parents, yeah. and we hate him too. And this is a kid who, great. And this is a kid who, what, he, like, started as a child actor. He did skits on, like, late-night talk shows. He's Rosie e- O'Donnell. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Rosie O'Donnell. Go Daytime talk shows. Exactly. He is very easy to root against, just like so many guys on the roster are very easy to root for. And one of them being, obviously, is one of Chiefs' all-time favorite, Brian Danielson, taking on Miro. You mentioned that matchup in the first hour, Chief, when we got going here. What do you think is going to be the outcome there? I think it's going to be a tough match. I think, I think Miro's going to control it most of the time because of his strength and his build. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think Danielson's wrestling knowledge, um, his kicks, his strikes... Uh, he's going to take the big guy down and beat him. And that's what Danielson does very well that we really saw in WWE. We didn't see it during the Ring of Honor days, and we didn't even see it when he was a heel before you know the, the Yes movement took over and he became one of the biggest baby faces ever. Danielson's very good at working from the bottom because pretty much in his entire back end of his WWE tenure, that's what he was doing. He was more of a grind it out, wear you down, put on submission holds type of guy as a, as a heel. But when he's facing bigger competition like a Miro, he could play that baby face, you kick the shit out of me like a Rey Mysterio, Shawn Michaels, all match long. And then I just explode out of nowhere from, from fighting from the bottom, basically, and chop down the tree. So I think that's exactly how the psychology will so go. So he's going to be, the, in my opinion, he'll be the new number one contender for the uh, championship that uh, Hangman's going to win. Another comment from Nicholas Brunette in the chat room. Thunder Rosa is an exceptional talent, and I thought she would have won the Battle Royal, not Ruby. So that's... Yeah. yeah. I actually take back my prediction for the main event. Okay. Because if Brian Danielson's going to win that match, don't make sense for Adam Page to be the champion. And I like so that. So I think we're going to get Kenny Omega versus Daniel Bryan. You did like the... Brian Danielson again. You did the associative formula type of thing. Like, you, you think Can of the result... Can you resu- imagine the heat of MJF? Oh. If he legit takes the belt off of Brian Danielson... After... <laughs> And does something crazy like yeah. that and just goes off on everybody. That would be great. And I like the logic there because sometimes that's it's a easy. a good storyline. That's what I'm saying. And sometimes it's easy to kind of decipher where they're going in, a, in terms of a certain direction with a belt by looking at what they're doing with the pieces around it. If they do yeah. something with Danielson, like you said, it would make more sense maybe for Omega to lose or not lose depending on who wins the Miro. Everybody kind of wants to see that rematch after the draws. So yeah. I think they're building towards that for the and next plus it was and, and, you know, that whole matchup, even before the draw, was so back and forth like like it's 
they could do that because the immediate aftermath was everyone said, you need to keep building that. Don't, don't spoil it. Don't overdo it. Don't rush to, to get back into it. But eventually, you don't want to keep it on the shelf too long. So I'm with you. What do you think, Chief? Do you think you see Omega and Danielson in the near future? Or do you think we wait longer? Let me, let me, throw, let me throw a different, different puzzle into it. Mm-hmm. What if Miro wins and Miro goes against Hangman? That'd be a good match, too, but I think the majority of people want to see the... I agree. Omega Danielson rematch. I agree. I'll ask I you agree. one last, uh, one last can matchup. I, can I change my vote? If to, they can save it till Omega? April, yeah. a double or nothing, that would be amazing. But that's what I'm saying. And I like how you guys both brought up a good point. Like, you're changing your pick based off, of the, again, the surrounding bouts, which makes sense. And you're touching on something that we've already kind of forgot about because so much has happened in AEW since the Danielson-Omega match. It's worked because we've kind of forgot about it just long enough. Now we recollect and think, oh, my God, that's a match of the year type of classic. We're going to see it again. But again, like what you just said, Matt, don't, wh- like, don't wait too long, but don't rush it either. Milk it. Let it breathe. That's, that's thoughts come anywhere creative team thinking. And that's, why, and that's why you guys need to do the riding. Before we go on our last break here to wrap things up here in this two hours, and it's been a, been a quick two hours but a fun two hours, Punk versus Kingston, who do you got? That's going to be a crazy match, but I think CM Punk's going to take it. I think that's one of those matches where I agree CM Punk takes it, but we may walk away with Eddie Kingston kind of being the, the, more of the takeaway. You know, not a moral victory, It'll if you like will. be like the star of the yes. match, but Punk will end up getting the pinfall Punk somehow. will get the win to look strong and keep like his momentum going, but we'll walk away thinking Eddie Kingston stole the show. Yeah, I think so too. I think Punk's going to shake Kingston's hand at the end of the match and that's all that um, uh, that's all that Kingston's looking for um, and I think and I said it earlier there's going to be a lot of potatoes thrown yeah. in this match it'll be stiff whole lot of potatoes um, I don't know maybe Kingston gets his just due I'm not sure um if Punk was in the company I, I, a little longer, I would say yes. Like if Punk was had was already had like two years in AEW under his belt, even maybe a little over a year, I'd say yeah. I still think he's a match this big. I could see him winning, but and actually we won't go to break. We're actually going to go to birthdays next year as our producer just lets us know, which works perfectly. So we'll get to that in a second. But I'm with you guys. I think at this point in time, Punk winning makes more sense. But you can't walk away from this bout thinking that Eddie Kingston just was involved to make Punk look good. If anything, it needs to be the other way around. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know Kingston's been in the business for years. Yeah. He's been through a lot of personal shit. And, uh, you know, I, I don't disagree with you fellas. It'd be good pater. S- saying Punk. But I'll tell you what, it wouldn't break my heart if it was Kingston. And I'm sure plenty of other people agree with you. And that's why it's interesting. We're at a point where now a, a, a indie darling for so many years like CM Punk, and then you have someone like Eddie Kingston who kind of has that same sentimental value. Not only is it hard to predict who's going to win, it's hard to kind of choose who you're going to root for. Who's, who's the dog going to be for you in this fight? So definitely interesting. We're excited for full gear. So there's our predictions. We're happy to get some of yours as well in the chat room. And again, um, if we have about 15 minutes left. You're about 10 minutes left, I should say. 702-329-6947. Accurate on that. Some of the stories. You're telling me you have Eva Marie and Miss Elizabeth <laughs> in the same category? Yes. Yes. And, and so what of it? <laughs> Headlamps. <laughs> Trunks. 
I love it. I love how I'm over here like, oh, La Parka. And he's all like, Miss Elizabeth. That's hey, where I'm focusing on. I was on. doing the La Parka I got. I saw you. You were getting it. Why, <laughs> why we had the Beatles going on the whole time, I too. How fitting. The legs back there. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, and, that's, and that's what's fitting because, again, Savage's birthday on the 15th, Miss Elizabeth's on the 19th, four days apart. But in hindsight, some of these – and Randy Savage is one of my all-time favorites. He's one of the most important, let alone one of the best to ever do it. Some of these stories you read in hindsight about Savage and Miss Elizabeth, like it's one of those things that we talk about blurring the lines of fiction and reality, what's kayfabe, what's not revealing too much. He was a very uh, protective man, to say the least. You know, I, very true. Yeah. I, I don't want to see us go down the wrong road with uh, Randy and uh, Miss Elizabeth right now because. Uh, you called her hubcap for yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> no, Matt's no, all like, Matt's no, like, no. yeah, you already. I, I see it. Yeah, you I, crossed just, that line. Just give me a minute. Let me finish my thought. All right. Unfortunately, Amend Rand, it. Randy and uh, um, his brother's dad, Angelo Mosca, yep. passed away this weekend. Uh, and or this week, yeah. excuse me. And yeah. what an incredible, what an incredible family the Pofos were. Just that whole Memphis territory. If it, I mean, there's really two names that kind of stick out. It's the, those and Lawler. And it's like without that family and without what Lawler did, they really brought that territory into the forefront obviously the Jarrett's there's some other names there Bill too. Dundee Bill Dundee right there's some big names but without this the you know the Pofos and, and Lawler it doesn't happen and that's just on the independent or the excuse me the territory aspects what Savage did at the national television level so much of the credit that Hulk Hogan gets in many ways also belongs to Savage I think we oh, could all, definitely. I think we could all collectively agree on that those were always my two favorites growing up. The Mega Powers, man, like that, they moved the needle. And 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 unlike Rock and Austin, or even a Cena, uh, Orton, where they were always contemporaries, that was packaged as a friendship. That then there was a rift in between. Miss Elizabeth having a lot to do with that rift, and then you were able to build a genuine feud out of it, built off of like animosity and all that, jealousy, et cetera, et cetera. But for the longest time, you didn't think they would go at it. You thought they were going to be like the Captain America, Iron Man, you know, tag team for the longest time and be friends and conquer the world together or save the world from the from the forces of evil. Wasn't the case. I remember back in the day when Nitro was here and like tickets were going on sale. They had an autograph signing at MGM, mm -hmm. and it was Kimberly and DDP. Oh wow, Miss Elizabeth and the Macho Man, and they had what a crop. like Kimberly and DDP. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I get over to the other side, and he's like, "What's up, brother?" I was like, "Holy crap! It's the Macho Man." Yeah, I about had a panic attack. Yeah, the, everything about him, from the physique to the intensity, and the fact he was a great worker—that's what I'm saying. Like, and you don't have to just cut it off at WrestleMania three with Steamboat. That's usually what everyone first goes to. But look at some of his psychology with Jake the Snake. Look at some of his psychology with guys bigger than him. The fact that he had to wrestle Andre, who didn't even like him, and you know was able to survive. He could just literally tell a story with anybody, whether they were friends with him or not. He was just that type of figure. You know, even then, when Vince told him he couldn't wrestle yeah. anymore, and he went to WCW, yeah. reinvented himself, yeah, because he was he had was, just as good matches. No doubt, he was stuck in the co in the commentary booth. He says, "Screw this, I'm done. I'm gonna go wrestle again." And he was able to repackage himself there. You know, unfortunately, some of that era, mm -hmm. uh, I unfortunately did not get to see due to uh, uh, being over stationed overseas yep. and on ships. Uh, and a happy I, belated Veterans Day to uh, you. So I didn't thank you, but I, uh, I um, unfortunately didn't get to see a lot of that. Yeah. And, uh, WWE Network's a hell of a thing. Oh, it really is. <laughs> on, yeah, on. if you can get fucking Peacock yeah. to work. <laughs> I was saying, when you actually get the the, the bugs uh, worked out. Well, honestly, Just on live pay-per-views, you can't watch. You can watch Peacock. everything else. And, easy. and when, 
Exactly. And when WWE Network first started, that really was the charm. It was all the archival footage, all the on-demand stuff. The, the live feed was cool, but being able to just go back in the archives in the vault, that's where the, the crowning achievement, the redeeming value of the Hell whole thing yeah. was, right? You know, I, I, I love what you said about Memphis wrestling, mm-hmm. but I want to correct you, young man. Okay. If it wasn't for Jackie Fargo, and Lance Russell. There you go. There would be no Memphis Championship Wrestling. So they were the ones who laid the foundation even before the Lawlers and the Jarretts and the Pofos of the world kind of took it to the next and level. Then, and then Teeny Jarrett came in, Jeff's yep. grandmother, and she started running the territories. So, you know, just a little bit of history. I, I love that. it. Like we said, like even what Eddie Edwards was talking about, professional wrestling got to be a sponge, and that's the same way when you're a mark. You got to soak it all in. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch wrestling on the radio, but I like to, I like to familiarize myself yeah. with the names who were wrestling on and the radio. See, I can talk about New England Championship Wrestling, Slick Wagner Brown. Okay, mm-hmm. but then I can go down to Memphis and talk about Memphis. And you know what I love too, because it was territories Bingo. back then, and it was all regional based. Because we talk about it, we talk about it on the show. And I, it was real, damn it. <laughs> and we talk about the show that I host every every Saturday morning before on Unsportsmanlike Conduct. It's one thing I emphasize: how college football is such a regional game, and depending on where you go in the country, you're going to see a different caliber of athlete and a different style of play in college football. That's how professional wrestling used to be. Guys who wrestled in the southeast were not the same as the midwest in the rust belt guys in that area were not the same as the guys in the northeast or in the atlantic coastal area everywhere you went there was a different type of feel to it because there was a different culture before it kind of became all conglomerated into one big banner which was what mcmahon ultimately was going for since i missed nine tenths of your guys' show in the beginning <laughs> i love it i was asleep hey, was chief talking about his time in football when there was no helmet and the le- leather it was, it was chief old leatherhead little leather helmet yeah aaron how much time we got left brother like one, one minute. minute okay final thoughts i love it she's all like i'll segue here so we don't have to recollect on my football background <laughs> before there was grass <laughs> Now everybody for, have a safe week. Happy Veterans Day to everybody. Absolutely. Go watch Red Notice. I heard it's a really good movie. Yeah. Rocks out promoting. And go check out go check out all the new stuff on uh, Disney Plus for the Marvel. If you're a comic book fan, it's a good time to be a comic book fan. Hell yeah. Gentlemen, it was an absolute honor to be here. Hey, Aaron, put the camera on me for a minute. Let's get you? Chief one last time. Let's get the mug. The only easy day was yesterday from the man himself. And that'll about do it. That'll put a bow on it. Fun stuff. Fun two hours. Thank you to our guest, Eddie Edwards. Great stuff. Aaron will be back next week. It was an honor to fill in. Gentlemen, thank you so much. For Matt, for the Chief, for Brett Lawson. Catch you next week. Same time, same place right here from the Go Live Vegas studios. It's Thoughts Count Anywhere. Y'all take care and have a great weekend.